Welcome to episode 165 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. Um, this week on my, as seen on Instagram, uh, Presence Learning has been posting a lot of content on kind of like day in the life or how does a telepractice SLP do that? And they had one recently that was on um, incorporating um, sensory experiences and motor movements into a session when you're online. And I thought that was so good because that's something that I've struggled with in the past before thinking about, okay, I can see that this student needs to move or that they have some sensory needs, or I know they're working with an OT and I would like to incorporate some of those things. So they had some great ideas on there of things like, you know, getting up and moving around, doing some yoga and, um, so that was a great little uh, snippet of a video to watch, and I like that series that they're coming out with, too, on their Instagram. So it's all on Instagram, huh? Yeah. yeah. Have, have, uh, have you or have you noticed anyone jumping over to, is it? What's, what's the threads. Threads. threads? threads. That's the new one. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've, I've seen people start to use that more and like have said that it's kind of like the wild west out there. No one really knows what they're doing or how it works, but that it's a lot like Twitter, that it's more like conversation based and things like that. So yeah, I haven't jumped on there yet though. I'm on there. And and actually, telepractice today is on there. I'm sure I told you. Oh, before. great! Telepractice today is on there. <laughs> Forgot to mention that. Um, yep. They're on there, and uh, we are on. Well, we are on there, and um, so it's been interesting. I, I just posted. I think this week was the first time I posted um, um, social media, or I did a post about the episode that we released, yeah. basically. Awesome. So we'll see how the engagement goes. Yep. Yep. Um, other little like announcement things I wanted to do. We still have that um, fundraiser in New York City coming up mm-hmm. for Smiles for Speech. And um, the ASHA Schools Connect conference is just wrapping up, but they're opening up an online um learning period that you can do their online learning. And there's a lot of great presentations uh, that I was looking at from like the PTSD SLP that's been on and lots of Mm -hmm. other ones. So, and some of the ladies sounds like that will be on today are also going to be on that. So it'd be great to check out. Yes. uh, Today we have uh, Shannon Sharma and Kristen Shaw, and they are going to talk about Uh, a new model that they've been uh, basically piloting that is sort of a reverse parent coaching model. And so it's very interesting. So um, I'm excited that they are able to join us and explain more about what they're doing. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I'm a co-host of Telepractice Today with my dear friend, Kim Allen. And I just wanted to take a moment and ask you a favor. You see, we at the 3C Digital Media Network, yes, and I am also the CEO of 3C, as we call it, we need you. We need you to 
Maybe develop a webinar that we could distribute for you. Or maybe it's a course that you have in mind that you'd like to share your knowledge and skills. We would want to do that with you. We can help you distribute, produce, and distribute all of those things. We have blogs that you could do. Maybe you want to start in this whole wild world of online publishing and online media, and you want to start with a blog. We would be very happy to host that blog on our website. So if you have some ideas about blogging or a webinar or maybe a course that you'd like to offer or Maybe you have an idea for a totally new podcast. You may not know this, but we actually produce five podcasts, and it's growing. And so, who knows? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. We would love to talk to you. In fact, I would love to talk to you. I would love to showcase what you're doing, your knowledge and skills, no matter what it might look like. Course, webinar, podcast, blog, doesn't really matter. You can reach out to me at todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. That's T-O-D-D at the number 3, 3C, C as in cat, digitalmedianetwork.com. And I will be in touch. Thank you for considering this, and we'll talk soon. Well, Shannon and Kristen, welcome to the podcast. If you don't mind, please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Shannon. Thank you. I'm Shannon Sharma. I'm a speech-language pathologist and auditory-verbal therapist at Weingarten Children's Center. And I'm Kristen Schaff. And I'm also a speech-language pathologist and listening and spoken language specialist, auditory verbal therapist, and I am at St. Joseph's Institute for the Deaf in Indianapolis. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Shannon, you're outside of uh, San Francisco, right? Yep, the San Francisco Bay Area. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay, let's jump in. Let's start the conversation uh, in terms of... um, it's always kind of interesting of how you became a speech language pathologist. And then let's get into um, listening to spoken language, what brought you in that direction. And then we'll get into some neat telepractice stuff that you guys are doing. Excellent. Wonderful. This is Shannon. Um, I went the pretty traditional route as far as speech language pathology goes. Um, my, my interest was sparked because of my interest in working with people, specifically children. I like the medical aspect, anatomy. I like the teaching aspect and English and linguistics. And so all of those things really come together to make speech and language pathology. So I got um, my communication science and disorders undergrad at University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. And then I moved on right afterwards to get my master's in speech-language pathology at James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, And as far as uh, listening and spoken language therapy goes, I actually did a, um, 
what do they call it when you're working in school? It's uh, work Practicum. study. Or, oh, work study. We're, I actually work study in undergrad. I did my work study at DePaul School for Hearing and Speech, which is a school for children with hearing loss who are following the listening and spoken language communication mode. And um, I just, you know, fell in love with the, the technology of it all, hearing aids, cochlear implants, um, and also the, the incredible uh, progress that can be made when the right measures are put into place. So that's my story. Kristen? This is Kristen. Um, I also had kind of a traditional route. However, um, before going the full route into communication science disorders undergrad, I was actually applying to be a marine biologist. So um, a different track, but then I actually shadowed um, my younger sister in speech therapy with her speech therapist at her elementary school when I was a senior in high school. And so through that process, I developed a love for what speech language pathologists can do and the change and the impact they can have on children and their family. And so that led me to become a speech language pathologist, um, an undergrad at Indiana University, and then a master's back um, in a suburb outside of where I'm from in Rochester, New York at uh, SUNY Geneseo. And so I did the traditional speech language pathology route, wanted to work in a school, was really passionate, um, but I wanted to move back to Indianapolis. And an opportunity opened um, and I applied at St. Joseph Institute for the Deaf. Um, I knew nothing about working with kids um, who were using listening spoken language. I had seen one cochlear implant in my whole six years of becoming a speech language pathologist, but the director at that time was willing to take a chance on me and mentor me and guide me and coach me and set me up with programs. And that's how I fell into listening and spoken language. And um, I have been there ever since my clinical fellowship year in August of 2005. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So I know, Shannon, you started in telepractice when you were at DePaul, when you were there. and Kristen, St. Joseph's has uh, been doing the I Hear project for a long mm-hmm. time. So they've been associated with um, telepractice, you know, in general. But what about Indianapolis? How did how did that come about in terms of telepractice there? This is Kristen. That's a great um, thing to bring up. So yes, we have I Hear. Um, for me, we started bringing telepractice in during the pandemic. So how were we going to serve these children and these families when we were all at home? And through that process, that's really when I dove into this parent coaching model um, through the screen. Now that wasn't what we're Shannon and I are currently doing with that reversed flipped, but it was my, I dove into teletherapy and that's kind of where Indianapolis started with their teletherapy um, model and kind of where we're moving forward. And we're still doing teletherapy. Um, actually it's all the speech language pathologists at St. Joseph now are dipping their toes in with mentorship and support. That's excellent. So (laughs) Shannon, so talk about how you got into, uh, telepractice at DePaul, because maybe you guys were doing it a little bit before some of the others, right? Yeah, DePaul School, well, when I was at DePaul School for Hearing and Speech, there was a grant, there might still be, um, in which we were able to run a teletherapy program. Um, It was great because we know that 
listening and spoken language intervention requires hardcore parent coaching, parent participation, allowing the parent to take over and become the therapist. You know, our role is to not be needed anymore, um, work ourselves out of our job. And so that really provided a really unique experience. And I was working with a family from Ireland. I was working from a family in the Middle East. So it, it just really inspired me that it really takes the boundaries and you know, the walls down um, to be able to service so many more people. Uh, and then after that, I, I worked um, a contract with a teletherapy company. And so I was working with students who uh, participate in like an online school, excuse me, an online school. Mm-hmm. And um, that was an excellent experience because I learned how to work with children of all different ages. And I actually got access to some really cool um, teletherapy programs and tech stuff and mm-hmm. um, different software and whatnot. So that was cool. And then moving on to Wine Garden Children's Center, teletherapy is just like second nature there. They've been doing teletherapy, I guess, for a while. Um, mm-hmm. We have like a baby, a program called Baby Talk, and that's mm-hmm. in unison with um, Stanford, mm-hmm. where we're working with um, children before they get their devices, their um, cochlear implants or hearing aids. Uh, and then we work with them up until they're about three and then kind of help the family to work through the IEP process or, you know, uh, jump on a, you know, WCC caseload, Wine Garden Children's Center. Um, and then in my daily interactions, some of my alumni students will participate in therapy from home because the San Francisco Bay Area is huge. Yep. It spans like three, at least three different cities. So if I have, you know, an eight-year-old who is across the bridge and it would take an hour, no, two hours of the family's time plus the cost of the bridge, it just can make more sense to um, connect online. So a lot more convenient, basically, comes down mm-hmm. to it. So what I want to know is where did that original idea come in terms of that sort of reverse model. Um, how how did that come about you know, way back in the beginning? Hey, this Kristen. is Kristen. Um, so it came out, um, Shannon and I were both at that time in our process of becoming certified. And we really needed those parent coaching hours and mentoring and still practicing. And so we were trying to brainstorm how can we do parent coaching because we can't have those parents come into the school right now even though mm-hmm. we're back and the kids are back. And so right. it took a lot of brainstorming and well, we have technology, everyone's using technology. They're using Zoom, Google Meets, WhatsApp, Microsoft Teams. Could we make this work? Um, and so it took a lot of brainstorm, I think. And I know Shannon did some things, I did some things. And then we kind of collaborated together and talked about what worked well for each of us. And we kind of made our model that um, we both use today and that, is working and I've actually coached some new um, mentees on it and they're thriving in this new flipped model. Right. Shannon here. So ultimately what we're trying to do is, is we want to get the word out to other therapists to encourage them to rethink the role of parents in school speech and language therapy sessions. And, um, basically like revolutionized school practice because when a child switches from an IFSP 
to an IEP, the parent's presence and involvement shifts mm-hmm. to being like on the receiving end of a speech folder. And right. Even right. Or one, once a year at the IEP is the only time that you meet right. or talk to the parent. Exactly. A lot of times. Yeah. And just because the letters in that acronym change, it doesn't change the parent's role in the child's life. Yep. And the, you know, and the, the impact that they can have. Yeah, I saw that a lot this year with, um, you know, thinking of a different population, but with my kids using AAC, that a lot of times, like, they maybe had, you know, the school had a device, the parents maybe had a device at home to help them communicate, and there wasn't really that, like, understanding of how much they were using it or what they were using it for in the schools, and I didn't have it happen, but I was able to offer, like, hey, this is the time we meet every, you know, every week if you ever wanted to log on and see what they're able to do. I wasn't, it was a little bit different because I was also virtually there. (laughs) I wasn't there at the school. But um, I I think offering that even in settings where it is like the teletherapist is also not there and but the students are at the school that the parent could log in and have a lot more of that participation in there. Yeah, this is Kristen. I completely agree. Like Shannon and I really want to get this to be like more out there, more diverse with all children who are participating in speech therapy. Right. Um, because as we know, that stat is 1% with your therapist. Yeah. I mean, we need to get it out to the parents and how do we get it out to the parents and how do we change and shift like that culture um, mm-hmm. in schools um, nationally? What mm-hmm. is that? What, what can that look like? And how Shannon and I want to help? Like, how can we help? How can we get it out there? Yeah. Yeah. And I think thinking about like um, when you've had mentees and people like that that are coming out of programs, I think a lot of them don't have experience in parent coaching. Have you guys had pushback or like worry? And, you know, we're not taught of how to deal with parents and how to teach parents. We're kind of always taught that direct service model. So what's what changes when you think about doing it this way? Um, so this is Kristen. So. I, so I get graduate externs, so it's been really nice actually to be able to have a graduate extern and kind of show them a different model that we aren't learning in grad school Mm because you don't learn about parent coaching. You learn about that the parents are at home, you're at school, this is school, and then you send it home. So there has been like some questions like what parents actually participate, they're coming in, they're logging on, they're doing this, they want to do this. And it's like, yeah, once they see that benefit and that they can do it at home because they're their natural language models. Um, they hop right on board. And I think for me, the more the pushback I'm getting is that they can't believe parents are actually doing it more than mm-hmm. and they're nervous, right? They don't want to do it. They're right. nervous like that they're seen as the expert as the mm-hmm. expert in this. But I feel um, with the guidance that we're supplying them and giving them the tools to be successful and kind of um, our model that Shannon and I have developed with this five plan and giving them, you don't have to follow it to a T, but we have found this works and it might be more comfortable and to let the parents know it is your first time. It's okay. You don't have to have all the answers right up front or to make it seemingly. Yeah. Shannon here is just giving me, um, the message that we're all lifelong learners, right? We're all learning. I am an expert in speech and language development. They are an expert on their child. Right. We are not yet experts in working together, but we will be. 
And so one thing I think that's really helpful is getting to know what the family's um, learning preferences are, what kind of feedback they're welcome to receive at the time, and building off of that. So, so why don't we you know, peel the onion a little bit, uh, go down another layer, and, and kind of describe what we're talking about in terms of working with parents, because that traditional model of the clinician or the early interventionist or teacher connecting to the home and the parent and the child is in the home, maybe, and they're coaching the parent to work with their child. This is a different model where you are including parents. So why don't you guys take it from there? Right. Absolutely. So this is a little bit of a different model and we have like different names for it. I think it really depends on your perspective. So if you're used to like, if your caseload looks like you're all, you know, all your kids are in class or in the therapy room with you, you might refer to it as um, virtual parent coaching because you're coaching the parent, but the parent is uh, on a screen. Um, Or if you're used to doing teletherapy, you might call it like a flipped or a reverse teletherapy model. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kristen, go ahead and explain a little bit about what that like physically looks like. Yeah. So this is Kristen. So what that looks like in that reversed flip model is the child is with you in your therapy or in your classroom and the parent is logging on from anywhere, their, their house, their office. I've had parents log on from a car and the kid gets really excited, but they're logging on and they're on the computer screen in the therapy room at the table. And what we do is we make them an integral part as if they are in the session. And so they are still very much a part of the session. The session is still surrounding them working with their child and us coaching the parent. Um, So a lot of times what I will do is the child will sit in front of the computer and I will be off to the side just as I would in a typical parent coaching session. And I can coach the parent and I'll let the child know, hold on a minute. I got to talk to mom. Um, And the thing that I have found is we all know kids are excited to see their parents no matter what, but when they hear that their parent is on the computer in my therapy room, they run down that hall, they own the session. And then it's even more like I have to start to take over to be able to coach the parent on the strategy. So this flipped model is just that the parent is on the computer screen. Um, For me, that's how I set it up. Um, They're on the table. They're right there. You just have their head in a box versus their whole body. And I become their hands. So if they need something to do, I just become their hands. I move things around. Um, I'll repeat what a child has said in case that clarity, I'm still working on what's the best way to have the microphone and all of that working um, for the parent and child interaction. But in all honesty, it's really still a parent interacting with their child with us, setting them up to be successful with their, with those tools and those strategies that we use in typical in-person parent coaching. Mm-hmm. And Shannon here, especially considering, you know, COVID school was online. School was on the computer mm-hmm. for like a varying range of ages of children. And with like, everyone has cell phones, these kids they're very familiar with communicating with somebody on a screen. It's not as foreign of a concept as it probably was maybe eight years ago or so. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone's now used to it. But when you first started working with families and and parents specifically, did anyone give you pushback? Like, how is this going to work? This can't work. You know, 
or were they excited to try it? This is Kristen. I had my parents, I mean, they went through with me a lot because I was going through my, you know, certification. So parent coaching was new. And then we threw this round and they were like, I can still participate because that was the one thing I wanted to do. They were very excited because they didn't want to lose that coaching Mm -hmm. that they had been getting. And they were excited to dive in and to take a chance and to help me through it. And so I had a couple of parents who actually, I took their feedback after every session to see what worked well during the coaching model this way. And what could we change for the future? Or what, what do you think we could do differently? So there were a couple of parents I used um, with a lot of support. Um, but a lot of my parents were like, if I can still participate and this is what I need to do, let's try it. What's the worst that happens? It doesn't work. And Shannon here, some, something that I noticed, especially with the, I feel like preschool population, you'll get some parents that are like, you know what, when I'm in the room, when I'm here, the kid is not acting right. And I really don't want to use therapy time. And so like, I'm just going to go and like, you can be here with the kid and you can just tell me what happened. And so this kind of is a, is a nice stepping stone to getting the parent in the room as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they, you know, they don't have the, the child climbing all over them or crawling on the table crying. They see how therapy goes and how they can be a part of it. Sometimes we'll even start, you know, if a child sees their parent and they, they miss their parent so much and they get upset. I have had that happen. Um, we can just yeah have the parent turn their screen off and I'm still mm-hmm. narrating everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So the parent is getting, um, they're learning about what, how do we respond when the child produces the sound? incorrectly like what are what are the cues we're using what are the prompts we're using so that's really otherwise you know other than that example which is not quite the family not being bought in um all of my families have been excited to try it and one of the tips I have for anyone listening is establishing right at the beginning of the year that this is what we're going to do because trying to add something in the middle of the year is a little bit tricky yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is Kristen. What we've done at St. Joseph's is, is we've now included it in our back to school packet that we are doing parent coaching. And then these are the three models we're using or we're, you know, in person, virtual with the flipped or both. Um, you know, please let us know which one will work for you and we'll schedule it accordingly. Um, so we do try to get that out there in our back to school packets. Um so it's been beneficial last year, almost the whole school was participating at least once a month. And so I will take that <laughs> with once a month. Yeah, this is Shannon. It sounds like getting your administrative team, your, you know, principal, whoever's, you know, working with the therapist, maybe your clinical director, getting them involved in it too, so that the message is going out to all the parents that this is what right. we're doing, getting your whole team right. on board. Yeah, I was I was going to ask how how can someone listening to this want to you know, go back and implement this? What what would be some of the you know things to do? Strategies like you know getting your administrator involved and letting them see something like this. Um, any anything else that they should think about as they maybe want to try this? Yeah, Shannon here. As we were talking about. Um, parent coaching, not really being a part of our graduate school coursework. 
Mm-hmm. I highly encourage looking out for different courses or reading material about parent coaching because mm-hmm. having the um, understanding of what adult learning looks like, how to use a parent's strengths, you know, complementing their strengths mm-hmm. and adding on one thing they can work on, those kinds of strategies are really important for an effective working relationship. Yeah. And I liked how when you mentioned that those sessions where you're just having the parent watch you, I think a lot of times as professionals, we kind of like think, well, if they just watch me, then they'll know how to do it. And I think that it's not, that's not what parent coaching is, is they just watch Mm -hmm. me and then they'll know how to do it. Yeah. This is Shannon. If you think about how we all became speech language pathologists, it took hands-on trial and error. It took mentorship, coaching, reading, you know, we, we learn from so many different, um, methods and that's adult mm-hmm. learning. And that's, you know, yeah. that's what we can expect from the parents. If we send them home a worksheet of the F sound, they might be at home going, say it. Mm-hmm. No, that's wrong. Try again. <laughs> no, that's not what we want. Yes. Right. No. So yeah, this is Kristen. And I also think like getting it on board and stuff is we, it is trial and error, but I also think for someone that wants to try it, just thinking about that whole model, we're all in school, but we do know a lot of children um, get, receive early intervention services, whatever that might that, be called, yeah. if you are. And yeah. that early intervention model really is mm-hmm. working with those caregivers and those parents and those grandparents. So I think if you're in a school and you want to get it started, think about that EI model and reach out to an AI therapist or even someone locally you might know, put a blast out on a blog, reach out to your local um, chapter for um, speech and language um, to start to make a connection, I think, and talk to someone that's been doing it and let them guide you how it works in your state. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you can always reach out to us, but I think if we use the resources we have of people who have been doing it in their field of speech language pathology for so long, Cause I do know I started to tap into that too. When I went to this virtual parent coaching model, like, Oh, there are EI therapists who just, this is just what they do. I need right. to talk to them yeah. because yeah. I, it's not natural for us in the school. Yeah. I found, um, I, at least when I, one of my first jobs was in early intervention when I came out of grad school and I at least had had the auditory verbal therapy background to know how to talk to parents. But a lot of, um, one other SLPs that we had starting really found a lot of help in the Hannon program too, in the Hannon materials, because they really focus on that parent coaching model. And they're even starting to have, you know, when the pandemic, they were actually working on it before the pandemic, but when the pandemic hit, then they came out with um, some of those teletherapy resources too. So I think if that's another resource that people can look at, but, and it is like originally was for birth to three or birth to five, but you know, those principles of adult learning styles and how to give feedback apply no matter how old the kid is, I think. Well, this is Kristen. And I also think as we see like all the ASHA evidence-based practice that are coming out with getting parents involved, that maybe, maybe this is me being hopeful, that maybe there's going to be a shift in graduate coursework and undergraduate where we're now going to have some introduction to working with parents and adult learning styles. And Mm -hmm. it might be a dabble in coaching, but at least maybe that will be part of the coursework. So you can have an understanding because those evidence-based practices are showing we need to include parents in what we're doing day to day. Right. Exactly. 
Well, guys, um, it's been great catching up and and hearing all about the model and what you guys are doing. How can uh, someone reach out to you guys? How, how can they get in touch if they want to ask questions or just want to learn more about your schools? This is Shannon. Um, if you want to connect, um, I have a LinkedIn. I'm sure Kristen does as well. Um, my email address is shannon.c.sharma at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to learn more about the school that I work for, it's Weingarten Children's Center in Redwood City, California. And we have just updated our website. So go check it out. This is Kristen. I do have a LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to spell my last name because I know it's hard, but um, it's Kristen Schaff, S-C-H-A-A-F. You can also email me at K-N-S-C-H-A-A-F at gmail.com. And then if you want to learn more about St. Joseph Institute for the Deaf, look up our webpage. They are also on LinkedIn um, and you can find both campuses, which is um, St. Louis and Indianapolis. And Shannon here, Um, you can also learn more about this model. If you have the ASHA virtual pass, I think that's maybe what it's called. The learning pass, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. our course um, or our presentation that we did from 2021 is actually up on there. So you can wait from there and get your CEUs. And then we also have a poster uh, with my voice recorded over it um, in ASHA Schools Connect um, virtual, which is going to be here next week. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. Well, you guys have to come back and and give us an update at some point. Would love to. We'd love to. Well, thank you, Shannon and Kristen, for joining us on the podcast. I love this out-of-the-box thinking of how can we include parents in our telepractice sessions when we are with the child but the parent is at work or at home or somewhere else. So this is a, a great model that I just wish them continued success with. And with that, uh, as you can probably hear, I'm still dealing with some uh, oral motor issues, some, some oral surgery, but it's getting better. Hopefully my speech is getting better. It's kind of rough being a speech-language pathologist and can't talk. So with that, uh, thank you for your patience with me, and uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Telepractice Today. We'll be back again next week with another exciting episode, so stay tuned for that. Until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.